the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. This is the Pro-America Report on The Answer, San Diego. Welcome, welcome, welcome. It's Ed Martin here on the Pro-America Report. Thank you for joining me today. As always, great to be with you. We've got a lot to cover, including at the end of the program today, the last segment, I will give you a tribute Excuse me, to a great man. A man that I really admire. His name is Congressman Louis Gohmert. Louis Gohmert. You're going to want to stick around for that one. And we will talk in a, a few moments with my friend John Zadrozny, who is over at America First Legal. And he, my, uh, he sent me a bunch of uh, prep material for this interview, and it got me thinking. And you know, we'll also talk with Ted Malik. Uh, he's got a great fun piece in American Greatness. But John, John Zadrodzny sent me over his um, uh, prep material because America First Legal has been really good at jumping in and fighting the uh, Biden administration and their various either extra constitutional, extra legal efforts or just changes to rules and things that are going on. So it's been very interesting. But he also challenged me when we were talking, uh, setting up the interview. And we'll, you'll, we'll talk about this. I told him I would bring it up. And he, here's what you need to know today. What you need to know today, what you need to know right now, today's wink is it is not a time for oversight. It's not a time for only transparency. You know, my friend Adam Andrzejewski, who's such a good dude, and OpenTheBooks.com, their website is extraordinary. They shine a light on spending, whether it's uh, California, uh, spending on all sorts of crazy things, uh, uh, teachers, uh, salaries in different places, government spend, everything. It's really cool. Transparency is really cool. But transparency has led us now in many places, whether it's the FBI's problems, whether it's the federal government, uh, the Department of Homeland Security, when it comes to the broken uh, legal and illegal immigration problem. In other words, the broken legal system is that the people who get to this country illegally get into the legal system and then they get uh, swept through by corrupted Small C corrupted. I don't. I don't always accuse people of taking the money. I I, I, I do accuse people of having gotten distorted realities. So we have a legal system that allows illegal immigrants to hit America, get in our legal system, and then get swept into the country and kept swept and kept. Anyway, so but here's my point. What you need to know: the time for oversight, the time for transparency, it, it will never pass. We should always have it because it gives it shines a light. But we are at the point where we need people who will be elected, who will win for office, who will actually reduce the size and scope of government. In other words, desperately, we need a president and his cabinet who, when they're confirmed as a cabinet secretary, they don't say, ah, yes, now I'm going to get really good deputies. I'll get three deputies and 17 under deputies and we'll have 4,200 bureaucrats pick a department. Every one of them has grown, EPA, HUD, uh, Education Department. They've all grown. And we get new cabinet secretaries who get Stockholm syndrome after they got the corner office of the new of this cabinet. And they say, wow, look at this, how great this is. I'll do this better. 
No, we don't need somebody to do it better. We need a, a director to come in and say, I'm asking you to cut my budget by 25%. I'm asking you to reduce my workforce by 25%. I'm asking you to roll back the regulations and the administrative power that has accumulated. Roll it back. Take my power away. I want to be the least powerful cabinet secretary in history. And if we have a president and cabinet secretaries that do that, they will find willing partners, by the way, in the states. So you don't have to say, I'm going to cut back on all the regulations on X topic. Let's say it's on on some sort of land use or land management, the Bureau of Land Management, a huge regulatory framework, whatever it is, pick a topic. But the states can be a willing partner. So we're not going to say, let the water get messy, let the water get polluted, let the the land get destroyed. No, but the states can do it. And so you can get a partnership. But here's my point. What you need to know is we're past the point where you can reform the FBI, in my opinion. You have to not reform it. You have to you probably have to eliminate it and start again. And that's happened, by the way. Things like the OSS started uh, in the United States and it became the CIA, for example. They can transform. You can change things dramatically. And I'm reminded of this. My friend Alex Newman, who is such a great writer, especially on education, Crimes of the Educators is the book he wrote with uh, Sam Blumenfeld. I mentioned it yesterday on my interview with uh, Nina May. And, And Alex Newman for years would say, We can do it. We can reform our education system. Here's what we need to do. Here's how we do it. Here's what we do. And about four years ago, maybe five, I think it was four, he spoke at an event and he unloaded on how terrible the education system. And he said for him, it's past the point of no return. You have to get out of the schools. He said you can't. He said they're too controlled by the teachers union. They're too controlled by this is before uh, critical race theory became so commonly understood. He had seen Common Core. He had seen other controls. And my point here is we've come past the point where we say, oh, well, the FBI has a storied history. Let's let's uh, reform it. No, I don't think so. I think whoever's in charge of the FBI next, whoever's in charge of other agencies next has to dramatically reduce the power, dramatically reduce the power and scope of government. And it won't be easy in large part because the Congress needs to get on board, especially the Senate. It's time. No more transformation, elimination of departments and agencies and figure out how to do what needs to be done in a different in a different department or a different way. That's the only thing I think we can do. And we've got to start talking about it. All right. I got to run. We'll be right back. John Zadrozny of America First Legal and then later Ted Mount. Ed Martin here on the Pro-America Report. Back in a moment. Welcome back. Welcome back. Ed Martin here on the Pro-America Report. Some of you all know that as I get ready to do these interviews, I'll often talk to the guests. And uh, I've been talking to uh, uh, our next guest uh, offline about exactly what's going on. Uh, John Zadrozny is the Deputy Director of Investigations over at America First Legal. America First Legal is an organization that was founded. Some of the key guys that you know, names, you know, Stephen Miller, uh, Mark Meadows, uh, Matt Whitaker, um, and in particular, uh, focused on making sure 
sure that the power that is used by government is is at least well, hopefully limited, but at least uh, challenged and uh, and trying to say, hey, how do we stand up American First Legal to push back on um, what's happening and, and the lawlessness? Well, that used to be interesting when America First Legal was doing things like uh, uh, making sure that regulations that were being changed or rules that were being uh, offered and, and forced by was were challenged. Now it's accelerating the lawlessness in terms of all the kinds of things we're seeing, whether it's a uh, Mar-a-Lago or uh, or anything else. So uh, welcome back, John. How are you? I'm great, Ed. Thanks for having me on the show again. It's great to be with you. Well, thank you. Let me ask you, I want to know, and I want our listeners to know very specifically about the FOIA requests. Now, Mar-a-Lago, the raid happens, and then there's a lot of coverage of, well, where was the subpoena? Where is the affidavit? What is happening? You guys did FOIA requests, um, Freedom of Information Act. And um, and, uh, did you do anything with Mar-a-Lago specifically, or what were they? What were the Mar-a-Lago requests? Uh, yeah, Ed, so on Monday, uh, we were watching along with the rest of the world when this all unfolded in uh, shocked horror, uh, <laughs> watching yeah. as republic, republic, norms that support the republic are being torn down by this dictatorial administration. And so within the next two days, we put out a series of FOIA requests. Uh, yeah. One was for uh, some of the details regarding uh, the orchestration of the raid itself among the uh, Department of Justice and the Federal Bureau of Investigation. Mm-hmm. Uh, there were some compa- a companion requests associated with the National Archives and Records Administration's coordination with the administration uh, regarding the, uh, those requests. There was another one we put out at the same time regarding asking the National Archives for information regarding Joe Biden. As, as uh, some may know, his vice presidential records uh, were supposed to be released to the public as of January 20th, 2022, and yet there's still access issues to those documents. And we also sent a letter to this uh, Department of Justice's Inspector General, Mr. Horowitz, saying, we need you to conduct investigations on the eight investigations against Democrat administrations that you chose not to do, while all of a sudden, uh, you know, basically over the last few years, doing everything you can to undermine the Trump administration. If you see wrongdoing, that's fine. But it's pretty clear there were a series of incidents, everything from Hillary Clinton's email nonsense to stuff involving Hunter Biden that did not draw DOJ's attention. And the Office of Inspector General is supposed to be the office that oversees the fitness of the department and the function of the department. So we have all those requests out. They are pending. You know, we'll see what happens. But this administration has not, I mean, based on what we've seen in terms of our requests, has not been tripping over itself uh, to provide information to the public about its conduct. Well, and and ultimately, if they don't uh, comply with FOIA requests, you end up having to sue them, right? I mean, this is the part of the normal people. If they said, hey, can I see this? What's going on? Or even the media, you would think, would do it. Uh, although the media takes the answers from this administration. Like, for example, on the on a bunch of the requests about Mar-a-Lago, they say, well, sorry, can't tell you. It's national security. And you're like, huh, that's weird. So that you basically no one knows. But I mean, that's what you have to do. You end up having to sue them, right? Yes, Ed. Unfortunately, that's exactly what has to happen. Now, there have been some instances, in fairness, where a few agencies have just said, hey, here's what we have. Um, They've provided it pretty readily. Some of it is heavily redacted, which is a problem, but at least we've gotten it from them without them saying that uh, they're not going to comply. Uh, However, then sometimes the agencies, like you said, they just don't do anything. And the only thing that prompts a release of documents is walking into a federal courtroom. I have a feeling, Ed, that's a strategy rather than a bug. I I suspect (laughs) that what they're basically behind closed doors, there's a document that says, 
let's make them work to the max for it. I mean, it kind of reminds me, I used to be a prosecutor uh, and I remember there were times where the defense attorneys would make us do the maximum amount of work and drag a case to the threshold of trial before they pled guilty, meaning their their guy was going to plead guilty the whole time, but they made us work for it. I think the same thing is true here. And, 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 and again, uh, if you, I started to, to look, I was looking at, as I prepared for this, uh, America First Legal, again, we're talking uh, with uh, John Zadrozny, one of the um, senior investigators, and, and um, the, I was looking at a different release from a few days before um, the Mar-a-Lago uh, um, incident of, you know, freedom of information on the, um, what, what, what happening with COVID-19. And, hey, we, we need to get into the bottom of this. And I think it was a GC at your place, yeah, Gene Hamilton, who was saying, hey, all these things were said, we weren't a request. I, I guess. I guess the question I have for you, John, and, and again, you have experience both as a prosecutor and an oversight up in Congress and seeing this kind of stuff. Um, are we just to the point where it's all just too darn big and there's too much going on so that you can almost not keep up with it? And and if you can't keep up with it, um, you know, you try to FOIA, but, you know, then they, they stonewall you and you're faced with a situation where either you build an organization like Judicial Watch that seems to sue every 10 minutes. And that's a kind of what you guys are doing. But, you know, is our, it almost feels like it's a tsunami and you're not able to to get kind of in the water and ride this wave at all. Ed, I couldn't agree with you more. I think that right now we are experiencing a federal government that is way too large. And there is, you cannot have, I mean, you simply, in my opinion, cannot have a federal government that is as large as it is and expected to be accountable to the people. It's designed to be unaccountable. It's designed to be a Leviathan. And it's designed to overwhelm the public. In terms of getting information out of the Leviathan, Right now, FOIA is all we've got. Absent an executive branch uh, leadership you know, from the president on down that actually favors transparency. And, you know, they don't. They say they do, but they don't. Um, absent that, you're going to have issues getting information. I really do think we've reached the point, Ed, where we need to have a serious national conversation, starting with uh, theoretically the next Republican Congress uh, in 2023 about shrinking the federal government. This is no longer a fiscal argument. You know, we've made that that argument for 30 right. years that we spend too much money, but it doesn't resonate for a bunch of reasons we could talk about another time. But what does resonate is tyranny. When your federal government considers parents at a school board meeting to be a bigger threat than al-Qaeda, you have officially crossed a philosophical Rubicon that needs to be addressed. And the way to stop these abuses is to make government smaller. So, for example, you're going to hear a lot of Republicans chest-thumping about what happened at Mar-a-Lago last Monday. Okay, well, the solution is when they walk into Congress in January that they cut the FBI's budget by 20%. They cut the Department of Justice's budget by 20%. The only real oversight Congress has is the spending power. It's truly ironic. And over the last 30 years, we've been convinced that the real oversight power is a bunch of old white guys wagging a finger from a podium. None of that has any value. None of that will have any impact. But cutting budgets will. If you want agencies to behave, you have to cut their budgets. So I'm with you on all of this. And I also, just one real quick, I also think we need to find more ways to get more information out of government. I think FOIA might need a 21st century upgrade. I think we have to flip the dynamic and say the federal government has to release everything yeah. Uh, and then we can we can have smaller litigational fights over what the government withholds. But the default should be release, huh. not you have to throw a dart as a member of the public from a thousand miles away to hit exactly what you need and then get a bureaucrat to agree with you. It should all come out. 
That's an interesting one. Yeah, that, I like that a lot. I think that's um, and you know uh, we we have somebody uh, we have on the program uh, often um, Adam Angievsky, who's the founder and the CEO of Open the Books, um, and he focuses mostly on uh, the the um, spending. But as you point out, you know if you look at Article One of our Constitution, and you, there's 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 other things you can argue about. It's true, but the one thing that the House has is you can grab the the executive branch by the wallet, and and anybody that knows in a business or anything else, he who has the control of the wallet. Is is a big deal, and I think we have. You're right about that. Now, I will say, uh, I'm bringing you back for a second. Um, the uh, I used to say about the the Bush Bush uh, two W Bush. I'd say, we, you know, after he got a new EPA director, we don't need a new EPA director. We need someone who will go in as EPA director, not run it better, but say, I want, I want my department reduced by forty percent. I want to lay off people. Right? Nobody does that. Everybody gets captured by the uh, by the the uh, the the job they're doing, and 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 then they make arguments about it, and we all sort of stand back and say, well, you know, um, so and so is really good, and uh, he'll he'll get the interior department really cleaned up and then and then next thing you know we got a different guy in charge and and all these different things so but uh, let me ask you uh, about this john the with regard to say the mar-a-lago by the time you get any results can you contribute to the debate um yes the answer is yes i mean the reality is we we will be thankfully FOIA has a short litigational deadline in other words okay. if the if an agent, if an agency for example when you ask for information uh doesn't give it to you within a certain number of days you can file a lawsuit okay. it puts it in front of a federal judge and you'd be surprised how much of an impact just being in a federal courtroom has on the government all of a sudden they find religion and they'll start producing documents but the only technical problem is it requires that little bit of time to get you into a courtroom to start getting the documents look we've already actually gotten some documents that are making a difference we, we got a production for example in the same dynamic we sued last summer for example when uh, jen Psaki uh, announced that the white house was coordinating with social media to suppress resistance to the alleged vaccine uh we filed a lawsuit i'm uh, sorry we filed a FOIA request last summer they, they were not tripping over themselves to disclose information <laughs> we filed a lawsuit right. we, we wound up in a federal court uh and when once we were in court they said well we'll start producing documents the first way was a treasure trove we found 286 pages of basically deep clear and transparent and frequent coordination with several social media companies the employees were tripping over themselves to work with the government and it was a gold mine and it's impacting the debate now so We've already made some impact. The stuff just happens on a rolling basis. It's like you said before, Ed, there's just too much stuff to keep track of. But, you know, we're we're doing yeoman's work. We're trying our best. And we, we view our mission to make sure that the government is actually transparent. It is actually enforcing the law and protecting the American people. Uh, American First Legal, again, AFL, excuse me, AFLegal.org, AFLegal.org. You can go there and you learn more, get on their email list. You can support it um, and uh, support their work. Uh, the um, I know one of your board members is Stephen Miller, and I'm asking a question I don't know the answer to, which a good lawyer is not supposed to do. But what about immigration? I mean, we've seen this massive shift on immigration and illegal immigration. Have you guys um, gotten um, involved there much? And, and has there been much of a response? Well, we've been involved in quite a few uh, lawsuits with state attorneys general and other right. parties okay. against some of the the illegality being involved, the illegality of this administration. Uh, we've also got a, a lot of outstanding FOIA requests on immigration related subject matter. Um, they're obviously not tripping over themselves to get this out for a very important reason, which is that in the immigration context, their goal is failure. Their goal is collapse. And I've had this fight with people who don't understand that, you know, they think this administration's run by Keystone cops. And I keep saying, no, this is their policy. Their policy 
is a flooding of the zone for a future amnesty of tens of millions of illegal aliens. This is not some sort of accidental goofiness that they can't control. You know, when, when Mayorkas has the, can, with a straight face, because he's a pathological liar, say the border is secure, in his mind, he's telling the truth. He's saying the border is secure. We want it open. And he's admitting this in public every time he says that because no intelligent person could think that he's actually serious unless you view it through that lens. So, yeah, we're doing our best. We'll have some, we may have some more breakthroughs on immigration in the next couple of months. But I think all of this, this collective pile of nonsense that is the Biden administration is resonating with the public. And, uh, you know, I think Americans really are paying attention to the fact that some of the things we've taken for granted about our freedom and our security are being withered away by this administration. And we've got a lot of work to do, all of us. I know, uh, again, we're talking uh, uh, with uh, John Zadrozny, who's the deputy director of investigations over at America First Legal, AFlegal.org. Uh, we, uh, we, you, you touched on it earlier. Um, a lot of people are frustrated with what's happening, and they have some hope that there will be a new House and new Senate at the federal level. There's lots of state successes on some of these issues um, or some policy issues that I think America First people feel. Uh, but you l- alluded to it earlier. What, what, let's say you get the House the Republicans get control of the House. What is that? What do you think, John Zadrozny of America First Legal? What do you think that says to the new Congress that, OK, the American people turned out and said this? What's the difference from, I don't know, previous Republicans or whatever? Just don't look back. Just look forward. What do you think that message should that should be heard by the Republicans who have power in the House to do? Well, I think we are in a very different, very dangerous and fragile time. And I think with that mindset, I don't think there are a lot of people who would disagree with that. Uh, I think uh, from the Republican standpoint, a future Republican Congress has to throw the business as usual model out the window with with energy and say we are doing things differently because the country is on the edge. And that means everything from, for example, I do, do think spending curtailing spending is a dramatic necessity. I mean, we spend money we don't have and we let these agencies abuse us and break the law and misbehave. And then the, in the past, the Republican Congresses have said, well, we'll show you, we'll just write you a bigger check. Clearly that hasn't worked. Um, less spending has to happen. Agencies' budgets need to be cut to make sure that they are brought to heel. Um, nominees need to be frozen because there's pretty much no ability to get anyone from this administration in who's going to be helpful. They just keep nominating Bolsheviks. Um, we need to start impeaching cabinet officials. Uh, and it's it, people say, I, I also I'm not opposed to impeaching President Biden also, but I know it's a different dynamic right. when you start impeaching people like Mayorkas and Becerra and these men and women who are breaking rules on behalf of the president. They're not going to spend the kitchen sink on saving their cabinet status. <laughs> they're they're going to ask them to go and it's going to slow them down. And I can tell you from having been involved in the Trump administration, being there, uh, the reality is that they're going to keep pushing as hard as they can on, on their radical agenda. But at some point, there's a there's an, a, a logistical problem when everything is tied up in litigation and congressional scrutiny. It really does slow you down. So I'm just hoping that we return some of those yeah. favors. And yeah. uh, I think the reality is real scrutiny is needed. A change business model is needed or um, we're going to be in real trouble. We really just cannot do business as usual anymore. And I hope Kevin McCarthy's listening. Yeah. <laughs> well, uh, John, mark this one down. I'm telling you right now, I, I will bet real money. No, nah, I won't bet real money. I'll bet a meal. I'll bet you a meal that the day after or within a week of the election, 
in November uh, that uh, Merrick Garland decides to go and be a lawyer again at a big law firm and make lots of money and, and write a book. I just feel like there's no way they'll they'll use him as then. And Lisa Monaco will keep running the Department of Justice with a new uh, uh, titular head, uh, probably like Doug Jones or somebody that they will try to make look like something uh, uh, benign. Anyway, all right, I got to run. John Zadrozny, thank you as always. America First Legal, uh, AFlegal.org. He, uh, John is the Deputy Director of Investigations. There's a lot over there at their website. Uh, check it out and support it. Thanks, John. Thank you so much, Ed. All right. We'll take a break, everybody. We'll be right back. It's Ed Martin here on the Pro-America Report. Back in a moment. Welcome back. Welcome back. Ed Martin here on the Pro-America Report. Time to check in. He's becoming more and more prolific. Ted Malik, of course, has, I don't know, a dozen books or more. He's got books. He's in, his essays and things are included in probably scores of books. Um, he also has uh, been a businessman, a professor all over the world, and uh, a, um, uh, a a senior Davos guy back before he found uh, uh, an understanding. And, and so, But he writes over at American Greatness, amgreatness.com, amgreatness.com. His newest piece is The Endless Summer, The Endless Summer, a subtitle for conservatives. The early to mid-1960s may represent the last time America was the way it should be and therefore could be again. All right. Welcome back, Ted. How are you? I'm great. Are you ready to go surfing? Yeah, let's do it. I, that, that's what I was going to say. This is how you're. Yeah. Walk us through what you're saying here. Well, uh, a combination of two things. On the one hand, I had the good fortune of uh, attending the Beach Boys' 60th anniversary concert, which brought back uh, a great many memories of my uh, teenage years, <laughs> albeit on the East Coast and not on the Atlantic Ocean, when we tried to imitate our uh, fellow brethren on the West Coast. Yeah. But, but it also raised this question, which I get all the time, and I wonder if you get it, because uh, that's really my focus here. I'm always asked this question on air, in person. Uh, what does the term again mean in the maggot tagline? Right, right. Yeah, yeah, oh, yeah all the time. Well, a little bit less in the past. Uh, now now we can say it's just go back a few years to get back to the uh, great yeah. again. But yeah, when, when it first came up, people were like, oh, what do you mean? You're, are you talking about like back when slavery was big? You know, that kind of deal, right? It was yeah, it was it was made ominous. They tried to make it a dark word. I, I, I totally agree with that. No, no, the left cannot stand anything that resorts to the past. Right. Because they have the keys to the perfect future. So uh, I tried to answer that question here, not just with the accurate answer, which, of course, the founding and foundation idea of America is independence as a constitutional republic rooted in Judeo-Christian values, you know, back to our very, very first years as a country. But I, I, I ask it uh, within our own context, given Trump's age and his experiences, love of country, uh, by um, explaining a more recent example, and that is, yes, and I think Phyllis Shafley would have understood this right. profoundly. Uh, it alludes to a deep affection for the early to mid-60s as an age of American innocence, uh, peace and prosperity, uh, supreme and humble importance, when, frankly, all was right. Mm-hmm. 
Yes, and and by the way, today today is uh, Ted is uh, the anniversary of the anniversary. It's Phyllis it would be Phyllis Schlafly's birthday. She was born ninety eight years ago today on August fifteenth. So I, I appreciated you referencing that. I think um, I think the only the, the the trick on this, and and when you go through your piece, I think you sort of cover this is when you look back to say what was positive. The the question is not that it's lost, as you say. The again is how do we get it back, right? How do we what what are the things we can do to get it back? And one of them can't be changing the definition of everything from marriage to uh, raid to whatever. I mean, p- pick a term that is is redefined recession. We sort of are losing the power of words, and it's almost. I mean, it's, it's not surprising because they want to say America doesn't have any meaning it's what they come up with today no indeed so we're we're into this uh, degree of anomalism where you know they've redefined everything and in fact when you and i end my article with a couple long paragraphs on when you go to the history books which of course are all written by liberal historians and you try to search for anything good that happened in the 1960s you can't find it because their whole orientation revolves around 1968 and, uh, you know, the protest against the Vietnam War. So it's a very selective memory, a very selective set of definitions. And we need to start reclaiming these things. That includes the language. Yeah, it is. Um, we're talking with uh, Ted Malik again. His piece is over at American Greatness. Um, Ted, what about the idea, and I'm being serious, of progress, meaning you're somebody whose career in business, you know, you, you watched uh, American you, you and participated in American ingenuity changing the world, right? W- whatever. I, I was visiting uh, my father-in-law. We were talking about it, and he was saying, you know, one of the key moments in, in human history was the, the completion of the 707, the jet, that basically made it possible for the West Coast to be a, a vibrant place because before then you, it was taking too, you could go there it just took too long and, and my point is we had we have had so much ingenuity in this country so much breathtaking success and yet uh there's a sort of negativity about america that wants to change that right wants to whether whether it's talking about watering down our patent uh, system or raising our taxes on on innovators it just doesn't change yeah, so the left is is obviously uh, careless about the the concept and the experiment of America. They, in some ways, could care less about it because they hate it so much. Uh, but this idea of progress is is important. I wouldn't say it's always linear, though. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, there are business cycles, there are ups and downs, highs and lows, uh, peaks and valleys, and it, it's not a straight line by any means. And and I, and I I'm reminded of a book by Robert Kaltzward, a Dutch uh, economist, on the idea of progress. Uh, and the idea of progress itself should be somewhat problematic for conservatives, uh, because we also need to conserve certain things, and we're very bad at doing that. The um, we're talking with again with uh, Ted Malik and uh, his piece over in American Greatness is the endless summer. Um, Ted, how big a threat? And I, I'm not I don't mean to overstate this. How big a threat does the left think Donald Trump is? Because at this point, uh, they're acting like he is a, a, a threat on I mean, and they say it on par with Hitler. 
Right. And therefore, you know, if you think somebody's Hitler, you're going to do anything to stop him. Right. You're not going to uh, stop short. You're not going to say, oh, I really want to be bound by the, the, the rules of the FISA accord, Or I, I really think it's important to uh, honor the, the Judeo-Christian tradition of due process. You're not going to do that if you think it's Hitler. So now, you know, my next article, which will be out uh, this week, it's called Trump's Haters. Ah. And, uh, it's really a dissection of all the degrees of hate against this one colossal mega politician who in fact is a businessman donald trump and his return as a candidate again uh, I, I think they'll go to any extent to uh imperil or stop his reelection. and uh, i'm not going to give away this article but that goes all the way all the way huh I wonder. I wondered about that. I think I, I mean, because now they don't have to doubt it. Uh, you know, people don't have to ask, what is it that you expect uh, a presidency of Donald Trump to do? Right. It was energy independence. It was a booming economy. It was moderate to liberal policies on criminal justice. It, you know, it was taken on China, all these kinds of stuff. But um, for whatever reason, it's it's become um, I mean, for lots of reasons. Uh, OK, back to uh, back to the end. I, of the I think Ed, what they most fear, all those things they don't want. What they most fear is what we call the deconstruction of the administrative state, which yeah. means we get rid of them. Yeah, it um, it feels like it. It certainly feels like it. Back real quickly, we've we run out of time. Uh, Ted Malik is our guest. The Endless Summer. Um, when it comes to the values, Ted, the, when you refer in here back to the 60s in terms of the I'm talking about the values of family and relationships and things, you know, valuing hard work, all that kind of stuff that's sort of out the window. Instead, it's, you know, proximity to power instead of hard work. You know, it's uh, anything goes in terms of uh, morality, all that stuff. Um I, what's the what's the what's the again of that i mean what's the path back i know how donald trump or any politicians could get us energy independent they could they could drill and they could put in nuclear and they could do whatever i don't know how you get back some of these fundamental cultural values i i don't know what that revival the again of that looks like well this is an article uh, and i feel like a cultural critic here it is it is an article about culture uh, and not just girls, cars, and surfing, which, of course, were the big hits of the Beach Boys. Right. But in a sense, they weren't bad things. There, there's a certain harmonious melody about those things and innocence and uh, larger-than-life everyday themes. Uh, but these were good relationships. They were wanting to get married to the perfect girl. And e even the search for that wave, that perfect wave, uh, you know, represented a kind of pursuit of happiness, albeit on a West Coast definition thereof. Uh, we have to get back. We have to depoliticize life. And you're hearing that from someone who studies uh, economics and politics. We need to depoliticize and define our real and true lives again, which means truth, beauty and goodness. Mm, yeah, well, uh, I think um, that this is a good um this is a good start. The Endless Summer is a column from uh, Ted Malik. And tell me again, the next one coming, Ted, preview it for our, our next, listeners. The next one's hard-hitting. It's called Trump's Haters. Trump's Haters. Oh, and, and, of course, by then we'll know uh, if the, maybe the leading, well, tied for the leading Republican Trump hater with uh, Bill Kristol, uh, whether Liz Cheney will be out of office. I think it looks like Well, that. in the article, I say the former congresswoman. Yeah. <laughs> You're betting on that. All right. All right. Ted Malik, thank you as always. Uh, Ted Malik, everybody, I'll put it up on social media. 
and uh, we will track it. He's over at AmericanGreatness.com. Excuse me, AmGreatness.com, American Greatness blog. We'll take a break, and we'll be right back. It's Ed Martin here on the Pro-America Report. Back in a moment. Welcome back. Welcome back. Ed Martin here on the Pro-America Report. And uh, great to uh, to talk about this next topic. Uh, I have been looking forward to this for a few days. Uh, uh, August 18th is the birthday of a man named Louis Gohmert. Now, Louis Gohmert, I hope you know his name because he's served in Congress uh, since I think about 2005, representing a district in Texas. But the thing about Louis Gohmert is... He has been fearless in pursuit of the truth and supporting good causes, whether it's uh, pro-life, the America First agenda. Um, He's an Army veteran. He served in the Army, so he's got his sensibility about the military. And although he's respectful of the military and he honors the military, works for them, he's also careful about American power. And uh, he wants a strong military so that uh, we don't have to fight everybody. Anyway, he's an extraordinary guy. And I and I, I rise to salute him on the radio program because it's his birthday and because he's leaving Congress. And here's what I want to tell you. There are men and women, some of both, it doesn't matter what sex you are, but there are men who serve because they're called to serve. And when uh, given the choice of power or or doing the right thing or even power and um, and witnessing to the right thing. There's some that stand out, and Louis Gohmert's one of those. So let me tell you a couple stories. One, back in the day, he challenged John Boehner for speaker. Now, that was probably the ultimate uphill battle. But by doing it, he uh, created a conversation. And I think he really thought he might be able to win, which is a smart thing to do. And he created a conversation that, that forced John Boehner to have to go on record on some of the key conservative issues and all. But you've got to be fearless. To do that, you know, the, the word courage includes in its root the Latin that means course, courage. You can sort of see it and curses and running. It means running towards the trouble is one of the ways to understand the meaning. It's not the home courage, obviously, means a lot more than that. But running towards the trouble. Louis Gohmert never ran away from the trouble, even at cost to himself. And he, he ran for uh, just recently he ran for attorney general in Texas in the primary against a Republican who's had some something of a conservative record, but didn't seem to be a guy who was running towards the fight. And Louis Gohmert could thought he thought he could do something about it. And he ran and he lost. And so because he ran and lost, he would gave up his seat in the Congress. And you say, oh, my gosh. And here's my point. There was a path for Louis Gohmert to stay in Congress and be a player and, and be a, a big wheel and be a, a, you know, swing a big stick in some ways. He could have done that. And, and it would have been very gratifying, but it's not what he felt called to run towards, what he felt called to do. It, he's an extraordinary guy of integrity. Now, my late boss, Phyllis Schlafly, uh, thought the world of Louis Gohmert and what he did and his career and all. But he's not his career's not over. It's his birthday uh, on August 18th. But it's not uh, he's not that old. And I think you're going to see, especially in the coming, hopefully, God willing, Republican Congress, uh, that he has a role to play and that his voice will be important. And let me say the last thing. When most of the establishment, even in the conservative movement, when most of them stepped back from the January 6th 
hoax, the January 6th, you know, uh, insurrection that wasn't. He stepped towards it. And and Louis Gohmert, you know, who started his career, I mentioned in the army, he was uh, he was a defense lawyer in the army. He was a lawyer in the army in the JAG. Um, he'd gone all the he's gone all the all gone on to all the right schools. I mean, he went to I think he went to Texas A&M undergrad, Baylor uh, Law School, University of Virginia for the JAG training, I think. Anyway, he was a defense lawyer in the JAG, helping the helping people as a defense lawyer. Then he was a judge and was well regarded by all sides as a judge was an appeals judge also. I think Governor Rick Perry appointed him. So he's had this um, extraordinary career and knows the law. And when he saw what was happening to the January 6th prisoners, he stepped up on their behalf. And look, so did uh, Marjorie Taylor Greene. But Marjorie Taylor Greene is a relatively young politician. When you're really young in, say, Congress, you you sort of have less to lose. When you're Louis Gohmert, you've been there for six terms, uh, um, no, more than seven terms. He he had some seniority. He could have skated in the background. He could have uh, stayed. He didn't. He stepped up. He went to the J6 uh, jail. He he has been a, a voice for the people. And so my point here is I want to celebrate his birthday by telling you about him, Louis Gohmert. And I want to encourage you to remember his name and his career and the message I'm talking about, because I believe that he is headed towards some very important work, some important work that's not done for America which is what he loves. He and his wife, I think they have three children. I, I, I'm sorry, I can't recall. It's on my notes. Uh, but he loves America. He reminds me a lot of the late Phyllis Schlafly. He just loves America and wants it, wants America to be available to everybody and wants everybody to have the opportunities. And he's uh, just great. So remember that name, Louis Gohmert? Louis Gohmert. He's a uh, special happy birthday uh, to you, uh, Louis Gohmert. And I uh, hope if you, if you uh, get a chance, have a good thought and a prayer of Thanksgiving for men like Louis Gohmert in this great country of ours. All right, we got to run. It's Ed Martin here in the Pro-America Report. Thank you to Noah Dingley for all that he does for our work. Thank you to Joanna Spilger for the associate producing, getting great guests. And thank you all for listening. We will be back tomorrow. It's Ed Martin here on the Pro-America Report. Talk to you then. America Report on The Answer, San Diego. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records of the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.